listeners. I'm psychologist and author Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and I'm here with my engineer, Dave Keita, and welcome to another episode of Living Well with Dr. Peg, where we share information and inspiration for living well and staying safe. And you can hear the show every Thursday at One Mountain on KLZ 560 AM, broadcasting from Denver, Colorado, and streaming online around the world at drpegradio.com. And Living Well with Dr. Peg is brought to you by our sponsor, SSI Guardian, the leader in school safety and security. And while there are many ideas and theories on how to improve school safety, only evidence-based training and solutions proven to make schools safer should be considered. Children can't learn if they don't feel safe. And SSI Guardian is the only organization in America that addresses all of the critical components required for a 21st century safe school. Learn more by visiting SSIGuardian.com. And speaking of schools, we're talking about colleges and universities today and how to gain admission for yourself or for your child to the institution of your choice and obtain the maximum amount of financial aid available to you and answer your questions about the college admission process and the dreaded FAFSA and help you make your college dreams come true for you or your children. I've got two awesome individuals on the show with me today. My guests are passionate about helping students succeed and they're both college administrators at Community College of Aurora here in Colorado. And I've got Ray Keith, who's the Director of Instructional Intervention and Support, as well as Deb Heffler, who's the Director of Financial Aid Advising. Ray and Deb, thanks so much for being with me today. Welcome to the program. Thank, Thank you, you very Pat. much. Yeah, it's good to see you guys are both friends as well as colleagues. And so uh, thanks for coming and taking time out of your busy day. So, Ray, the first question I want to start with is, it's December. Is it too late to apply to colleges for the fall semester? So the answer to that question is no. Good. Um, All right. Depending on what institution you're looking at. Mm hmm um, the application process uh, for most highly selective institutions began early in the fall semester. Okay. Um, they are still making some decisions around applications. Uh, most um, deadlines are in December. Community colleges um, are open enrollment, and so our deadlines are, um, we actually don't necessarily have a set right. deadline. Because mm -hmm. you can always um, take a class at a community college. In some cases, every month there's a new mm -hmm. class. If you're a degree-seeking student, you may have to wait for a new semester. Correct. But um, it's never really too late to go to college somewhere, is Correct. what it sounds like. Correct. Great, great. Now, what about those students who want to make um, uh, the early decision, I think it's called? Is that it's a, is it too late for that to so know? For that, who, yes. So okay. they would those colleges would be sending out those accepting letters at this time. Okay, so there might be some good Facebook videos that we're going to start seeing rolling right. in of kids uh, and their parents opening those letters. Yes. <laughs> Great, wonderful. Now, uh, I've got also Deb Heffler with me today, Deb, and we're going to delve way more into the financial aid aspect of it um, after we talk more with Ray about how do you get into college, but is it too ever too early to start thinking about financial aid? No, I don't think it's ever too early. I think even with your children, um, just learning about the um, the importance of planning for college, mm. even as young as, you know, elementary school, talking about savings and, and that type of thing. So it's never too early to start planning for school. Mm -hmm. And in my generation, really more my parents' generation, we heard the common expression of working your way through college. Mm -hmm. Is that something that's still feasible today to actually kind of pay as you go? I think it, it can be feasible at certain at certain places, certain colleges, uh, community colleges, maybe even some uh, public schools. But, you know, tuition is 
quite pricey and not just the mm-hmm. tuition, but also the cost of living while you're going there. So right. I, it just depends upon where you decide to go, if you can pay your way while, you know, work, mm-hmm. um, work your way through school. Yeah, good. And so, Ray, when we come back from the break, we're really going to talk about uh, the best practices for um, young people and adults who are listening, because we also want to talk about those non-traditional age students and what do they need to know, what do they need to be thinking about uh, to gain admission to college. Uh, It's not too late to gain admission for the fall semester. Um, And so what do they need to be doing now? What do they need to expedite? What do they still have time for? Who do they rally around them to to get the information they need? Well, you're listening to Living Well with Dr. Peg, and I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and my guests are college administrators Ray Keith and Deb Heffler. If you'd like to ask them a question, call us at 303-477-5600, and we'll put you on the air. Stay with us. We'll be back after these messages. Threats at our schools and workplace continue at an alarming rate and require an innovative approach to overall institutional safety. A 21st century safe school needs the right training, the right equipment, and the correct action plan to achieve a future-ready, safe learning environment. SSI Guardian's comprehensive, evidence-based solutions and Tier 1 Security Consulting is the only active shooter training in America with an accredited CEU. Don't trust your safety to just anyone. SSI Guardian is the only choice. Visit us at SSIGuardian.com. What if a psychologist with years of experience wrote a book revealing secrets that therapists know but usually don't share? And what if that book provided effective strategies for experiencing lasting change? That's exactly what you get with Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark's book, Do Something Different for a Change, an insider's guide to what your therapist knows but may not tell you. Celebrating 10 years in print, this self-help classic shares critical insights to help you understand and overcome the three common barriers to change, heal your emotional pain and emptiness, and strengthen your connection to your true self and others. In the easy-to-understand, down-to-earth style she's known for, Dr. Pegg clearly communicates fundamental principles and strategies for change and personal transformation. Read Do Something Different for a Change today and have a better tomorrow. Go to drpegradio.com slash books to purchase your copy today. Studies show that safety greatly impacts student learning and a teacher's ability to do what they do best. Be it broken furniture, a leaking roof, or more serious threat of violence, the 21st Century Safe School by School Specialty addresses school safety from the emotional, social, and physical perspective. Don't wait another moment. Call 877-878-5800 or visit SSIGuardian.com. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and you're listening to Living Well with Dr. Peg, information and inspiration for living well and staying safe. And we're talking today about college admission and financial aid, uh, but can you believe that there's only one month left in 2018? I, don't, I mean, I can't believe it. Uh, do you want to get unstuck now and establish new habits that will move you forward in the new year? Well, if you're finally ready to experience lasting change in your life, contact me today to take advantage of my upcoming one-of-a-kind personal transformation retreat scheduled for Saturday, December 29th, 2018 in Denver, Colorado. 
Go to drpegradio.com today to learn more about this exciting, life-changing experience. And I've got some exciting life changers here in the room with me. I've got uh, college administrators and educators, Ray Keith and Deb Heffler. And if you have a question about the college admissions process or financial aid for you or your child, give us a call and we'll, we'll answer your question live on the air today at 303-477-5600. Uh, so Ray, let's um, continue talking with you about um, college admission in particular, because uh, we're going to talk about non-traditional age students and, and adults, and then more traditional age students and, and teenagers in many cases. First, what do high school students need to know and do to apply to college now for the fall of 2019? You said it's not too late. There are still colleges taking admissions applications and making decisions. So students really need to be intentional about um, the research first. Um, what type of school are they looking at? Are they looking at a public or private school? Are they um, also thinking about the size of the school? Where are they going to best fit in? Mm-hmm. A location? Are they going to go to a school or look at schools in rural communities, mm-hmm. in the city, urban settings, and so forth? Um, they definitely want to look at the cost as well. Yeah. Um, what financial aid packages are out there for them? What type of scholarships will those institutions yeah. offer students? And let me interrupt you there because sometimes students get in their head let's say they want to go to the Ivy League or they want to go to a particular name school and they've just always thought that or maybe their parents are alumni from that school. But you mentioned something so important is what school will be the right fit for them and even should they be in an urban setting or a rural setting. Talk a little bit more about that before we talk about cost. Great. So it's really important for students to go to actually visit that mm-hmm. campus so that they can get a feel for the campus. There's also resources, um, College Board and Princeton Review, um, where their students actually share information about those college experiences. Um, many times students get to these institutions and don't realize that on the weekends, all the students leave the campus. And if I'm not from that city or that state, yeah. I'm stuck in this yeah. at this college and there's no one there to right. you know engage with on the weekends. Or, really... or you end up in a rural community where the only thing to do on the weekend is get drunk. Right. <laughs> and maybe that's right. why some students right. want to go there, but others may say that's not my, uh, my scene. Correct. That'd be good to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, good. Uh, let, let's talk a little bit about the older um, uh, adult or the working adult. And Dave, Dave, my engineer, um, you went to college at, a, at an older age, a mature seasoned age. And talk about what that process was like in terms of not going to college right out of high school and then deciding many years later to, to pursue your college education. Right. Well, my, my, I wanted to wait a gap year. And then it turned out to be 10 years instead. <laughs> so I worked, um, you know, I just kept working and, and it was just, it never seemed feasible um, until I got a little bit older. I'm actually really happy I waited so mm-hmm. long because I was really good at college when I went back when I was, I was 28 when I was a freshman mm-hmm. in college. And so I was way, you know, I was 10 years older than everybody by a long shot. And at first I was kind of nervous about it, but I went to a public school. I went to Metro State here in Denver. And there's a huge, diverse student body there. Sure. So I wasn't. I was always afraid I was going to be the oldest in class, but I was very rarely the oldest. There was a lot of adult students, and um, I just think it made it really easy. Just kind of, 
I processed everything a little bit better. Um, and then, you know, just getting in, I was so excited, mm -hmm. you know, when I got really, really way better grades than I think I would have if I had just gone immediately after high school. Right. And so kind of the lesson in that for me, Dave, and, and Ray, I'd be interested in your uh, take on this, is it, it doesn't matter if you go immediately after high school, if you take a gap year and wait a year, or it takes you 10 or 20 or 30 years. It's really about not only picking the school that's the right fit, but going at the right time when you're ready. You end up wasting a lot of time, money, and getting frustrated, feeling like you're dumb. <laughs> you know, if it's not the right time, you might feel like I may not be cut out for this. Talk about that a little bit. Right. I, I agree with what you're saying. Uh, we do sometimes have students that come and they're coming for other reasons. Their parents want them to do this right after high school. Mm -hmm. um, and they might not be mature enough to take on all of what it's going to be require them to be successful college students. Um, and so I think if you're thinking about returning to college at an older age, the community college is a great place to start because we have such a diverse population mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. Very good. So let's talk about grades and some of the things that students need to um, be mindful of, whether they're younger, uh, not, uh, more traditional age students or the older adult. Uh, how important are grades and GPA uh, for college admissions? So college admissions, um, each college varies what the requirements are, um, but really beginning to look at multiple measures. And so student that institutions are looking at students' grades, looking at assessment and placement scores, such as the SAT and ACT, um, but also um, having students do some of their, some of their own self-reflection. Mm. Um, and so it is important, depending on what institution you want to go to, if you're looking at an institution like DU, be sure to check their website, look at their admissions requirements, because DU might require that you have a 3.5 right. and a 28 on the ACT. And so some schools might be more um, selective, more mm -hmm. elite, and you, you may have this dream or fantasy of going to a particular right. school and just go ahead and apply without having checked what their criteria even are. And you may be miles away from the minimum before they even consider your application. What I always say to students, um, even if you want to go to DU, you can get to DU. You might start at the mm, community college mm -hmm. or you might have to go a different route, but you can get to mm -hmm. DU. Mm -hmm. That's great. That's um, a great thought because you can start at a community college. You can start at even a, maybe a less competitive college, do well your freshman, right. sophomore year, and then transfer. Correct. Because there's certain... Um, pathways for transfer students where you could end up yes. at an elite school uh, doing well in your first two right. years in some other college. You know, Doc, you were saying uh, it's it's good to find the right time and to do mm -hmm. the right place and make sure that you fit in. Uh, I used to make this joke that uh, uh, in the Rocky Mountain Showdown, I always go for the the, uh, the Rams, you know, from Fort Collins. And that, I said that because I went to Metro and 80% of everybody dropped out of UNC and then went to or, you know, they dropped out of CSU and came to Metro. And so, so it's like almost the opposite. I knew a lot mm. of people that started out like they had to go yeah. to the good Colorado school. Yeah, yeah. And then they just didn't fit in and they ended up dropping out wow. and then getting a really different, totally degree and, uh, um, you know, just as good of his education at, yeah, at, yeah. at Metro. And we're here locally in the Denver Metro area. We're heard around the world on drpegradio.com. But I will say I've taught at many of the... Uh, colleges and universities in the Denver metro area, and I've taught at uh, Metro State University of Denver back when it was called Metro State College of Denver, and uh, it's an outstanding institution. And so we want to get rid of these stereotypes, I think, and the stigma around schools, um, community colleges, and some of these uh, commuter 
institutions that you can get an outstanding education and it's a good fit for you. Uh, so I want to sh uh, shift gears, uh, and thanks so much for that information, Ray. I'm going to ask you before the show is over your top three application tips and tips for writing essays. Uh, so start thinking about that. But I want to bring into uh, the conversation Deb Heffler. And uh, Deb, you're the Director of Financial Aid Advising. And so talk about um, financial aid and just financing your education right. in general <clears throat> And when, you, you know, you're saying it's never too early to start thinking about that, but what are some things that listeners need to be mindful of, whether they're the parent of a traditional age student or they're an older student like Dave right. uh, going to college at, a, at an older age? And I might just say I'm a community college grad, transfer mm -hmm. off to CSU, and my children are the same community yeah. college grads. So it's on our blood. But mm -hmm. I think as far as... Um, figuring out how to pay for school and applying for the FAFSA. Um, it's a universal application that's used at, at um, all community colleges and all four-year schools as long as they're Title IV aid um, eligible. And um, so I think the importance is of just is don't be afraid of, of going through the process and, and applying and um, and you can do it early. Yeah. Don't wait. And the FAFSA is even hard to say. FAFSA. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, it seems intimidating. Yeah. Uh, for a young person, they can't fill out the majority of that information on their own. They have to have their parents' involvement. And we've got busy parents, right. and it's a it's a process. you got to gather your documents. I imagine yep. that would be a tip yeah. before you even uh, log in and start uh, filling out the FAFSA. Right. Have all your information Have all your organized. information. And just remember that the first letter in FAFSA is F and it stands for free oh. and that means it's a free application so um, and the, the service to fill it out is free so mm -hmm. a lot of schools four years two years do offer that service um, and just to help the parents and the students fill it out and and your and your um, grad um, offices at your high, high schools mm. um, also have advisors that are skilled and helping students oh, able to fill that out. So you really don't have to figure it out on your own. No. You can make an appointment Absolutely. and sometimes there's open houses at yep. certain institutions yes. where it's a it's a day or several right. days on the weekend, the evenings. They're inviting community members in to get free help yeah. to complete this free application. And there's a the FAFSA is usually on the on the um, the uh, web, but there's a new app for your phone, mm -hmm. and it's just My FAFSA, mm -hmm. and it's an amazing. They've made it more. Um, they've listened to the students and said, you know, this is what we want. We want it to be more user friendly, in our hand, wow. accessible. So um, there's nothing to be afraid of with okay. it. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah. If you say so. Yeah, I say so. <laughs> You're the expert. Uh, yeah. So what if a student is not financially supported by their parents? or maybe they're in a, like a step family kind of situation or they're only living with one parent or maybe they're even independent, yeah. emancipated minor. Talk about some of those different um, uh, variations and things uh, students need to be mindful right. of to get so that done. The, the FAUSA is going to ask for a, a, a guardian or a legal parent. And if that's not the, the um, circumstance, the, we know there's lots of families that have different mm -hmm. um, dynamics, um, but it's, it's going to want the parent that the student lives with. So if that doesn't exist, if, if there is no parent, um, if they're living in with their brother or their sister, then there's what we call a professional judgment option for that student, that the student could potentially go through the FAFSA using just their own information mm. and not the parent. And that's obviously for a student that is still under the, um, it, what we consider the dependent age for FAFSA purposes is the age of 24. Mm. So if a student's under 24, no parent or one parent is here, one parent is gone, 
um, there are some options for that. But that's where we can come in to help or, you know, even if you call FAFSA, they're, um, they're really helpful with helping students over the phone So you don't, you don't have to take a chance and think, I'm not sure if I'm eligible right. to do this on my own. Right. And I'm going to fill it out and maybe I'm wrong. You can call you can and call. get some And the good thing about it is you can start the application and you can stop and save it. Mm -hmm. You don't have to submit it until you're really ready okay. to do that. And that is one um, thing I would say as a caution is don't just guess because when you guess your FAFSA is going to get delayed and, and it doesn't matter what school it goes to. If they see discrepancies, meaning the the Federal Department of Ed, if they see discrepancies on your FAFSA, they're going to ask for clarification mm -hmm. and it slows it down. So I would recommend that students don't guess. Right, right. And be certain. And of course, the sooner you get it in, right. the better you're eligible for more um, sources yeah. of funding. Yeah. And, and the way that works is the sooner that your school of choice gets it gets your FAFSA, then mm -hmm. you get more competitive for, edu um, for institutional money, we call it. Mm -hmm. um, if you qualify for a Pell Grant, you qualify regardless of what time your school gets your oh, FAFSA. Okay. But it's that extra um, institutional money that is really where that um, being early with your FAFSA is is a priority. Mm -hmm. And does that tend to be need-based? Um, it can be. It just depends. I know some schools it's it's um, academic as well, but, okay. but generally need-based. All right. Mm -hmm. And so let's talk about, I want to kind of have a conversation with both you, Deb, and Ray now about kind of where we're merging good grades, extracurriculars, uh, good SAT or ACT scores uh, to help you get into college and then those are the very things that might make you eligible i imagine for scholarships and right. certain types of grants uh, so talk to us about um, i'll start with you ray first um, can extracurriculars compensate for bad grades or bad test scores and kind of what do we need to know about that um, when when i was going to college it was enough to just be in a club or play a sport even if it was JV if you had good grades and I'm describing myself I was JV you know in the band and I had great grades great SAT scores and I got into the schools of my choice um, fast forward to my children who are 24 now I have twins and they had even better grades than me were in more activities than me and it was more challenging for them so it's not enough to just be in the club you got to be the president of the club it's not just enough to volunteer at church you have to have started your own nonprofit so talk about kind of that balance for the kids who maybe don't stand out with grades but they're awesome in terms of community service so institutions are really looking for um, well-rounded students mm -hmm. and so looking at um, how are you contributing to the community um, what things are you doing as a leader in your, at your high school or in your community? Um, I would say it's really important for parents and students to begin to uh, get involved. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you have to be involved in multiple things. Mm -hmm. They're not looking for the, just the jock with the good grades. Mm -hmm. They're looking for the, the guy that plays sports or the female that plays sports with good grades and community service and leadership and volunteering. Mm -hmm. And it's very competitive. And so um, we really have to think about that because mm -hmm. it is competitive and you want to make sure that um, your student has a great application and great essay. Mm -hmm. And so, Deb, uh, if you're that well-rounded student, you're able to gain admission to the college of your choice. 
Uh, what can families do if they don't receive enough uh, financial aid, federal aid? What are some of the other options around loans and scholarships and right. some tips and ideas of how to how to acquire those? Yep. And that's true. Those, um, those scholarship applications, I always tell students, it's like applying for a part-time job. Mm. You really have to match your interest to that scholarship. And then th they want real well-rounded real well students in that um, scholarship pool, too. So it's crucial that students, and they, they look for diversity in that they want you to be involved. They want you to be leader, but yet be a follower. So they're, they're looking for that. So scholarship is another way to help fund that. Um, mm -hmm. Some parents can uh, have um, their own um, uh, savings, college saving mm -hmm. plans, or there's a lot of third party. Um, some employees will, employers will reimburse students. Sure. And then um, lastly, if, you know, if a parent is eligible, they could apply for a loan themselves um, to help put their student through school. Mm -hmm. So um, there's there's a few resources out right, there. Right, right. And, and that's something a parent needs to decide is how much debt do they want to go exactly. uh, into to support their child. Uh, to go to college, and that's a, a real personal decision. Uh, you, you mentioned something that's really exciting is that some employers right. will pay or reimburse for college uh, if it's related to their job, current job or career path, or even if it's not, some right. some employers some will just, just pay right. for you to go to school to be a lifelong learner. Mm -hmm. And it seems like that's a wonderful option for a student who maybe doesn't want to go straight to college out of high school, and especially for the working adult, that mm -hmm. check with your employer. Right, check with your employer and see. I know there's some of our students currently that are doing that, and you know I can't really name drop anyone right now because I don't um, have the right to do yeah, that. Yeah. But but definitely when you're um, looking for a job and that that benefit is crucial mm -hmm. to see if they have tuition employee reimbursement. Mm -hmm. And even just to be flexible to allow you to take classes Absolutely. is a big commitment of time yeah. and energy and right. um, how how willing are they to let you uh, have a flexible schedule right. to take classes that kind of thing yeah. would be important yeah to, to almost to shop around uh, what what are your thoughts on some more unconventional ideas about financing college like GoFundMe or something like that have you ever heard of anyone <laughs> I have doing not that? heard of that um, I've heard of GoFundMe but not for paying your way to school yeah. but why not yeah. you know yeah. um, a lot of the students are very entrepreneurial in nature and so you know try it um, mm -hmm. have go for it see yeah. what happens yeah. with it I want to go back real quick if I have sure. a chance the importance of grades and GPA once you get to school yes. um, regardless of what university you go to um, if you're receiving federal financial aid your grades and your GPA mm -hmm. are crucial to your continuance of keeping your financial aid so um, just make sure that as you're applying for your FAFSA that you're you're understanding that it's kind of you're getting you're not really getting paid to go to school, but you're getting, you know, you are getting paid to go to school. You're so you have to, right, you are yeah. accountable. You have to maintain a 2.0 GPA and you have to complete your classes. Right. And so it's not about getting qualifying for financial aid to take that refund right. and, and, you know, just go on vacation. You're expected to be in school and to expect right. it to maintain your grades. Uh, that applies as well, Ray, to um, college admissions. When you receive that letter, it says we expect your great you to maintain the same level of academic achievement that brought this letter to you. That is such a great point because <laughs> some year, students right? will get confused and think that I've been accepted my last semester, my senior year, I can just have a great time. Yeah, yeah. But they're going to look at your final semester. Um, and there's, we know that there's institutions out there that have uh, rescinded their acceptance oh, to students. Gosh. And so you really want to make sure that you're staying on task. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and with that, what's your top uh, tip for applying to college? 
I would say um, using the common application because mm-hmm. you can apply to multiple institutions and then making sure you ask for a fee waiver uh, in, with those applications. Mm-hmm. And Deb, your number one top tip for uh, financial aid. <laughs> Just don't guess on your FAFSA and okay. take your time filling it out. Absolutely. Wonderful. Well, Ray and Deb, thanks for, so much for being my guests today. This has been such practical, helpful information that may make someone's dreams come true. It could alter the whole course of their life. Uh, Listeners, if you'd like to share this interview with a friend, just go to the program archives at drpegradio.com. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Living Well with Dr. Peg. We're brought to you every week by our sponsor, SSI Guardian. My guests were Ray Keith and Deb Heffler, and I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, reminding you to live well.